1: Who gon' stop me high? Breathtaking a mood that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it breaks. The heart of the brave, the soul of a legend with the will
0: to be pain. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> <sighs> you know I was in a good mood. I really, really was. Had a wonderful weekend. Had a wonderful last week of vacation. Had a lot of good things going on in my life. Uh, Looking forward to talking about a lot of sports. Looking forward to talking to the great Oscar De La Hoya, particularly with that Terrence Crawford, uh, Errol Spence Jr. fight coming up this weekend. And then the governor of Florida made news yet again. Just changing my whole freaking mood. Oh, well. I'm here for it. As always. The Stephen A. Smith Show. Coming your way right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show. Coming at you over the digital airwaves of YouTube, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, as I love to do. Um, vastly approaching 250,000 subscribers. I'm at 249 plus as we speak. Thank y'all so much for the support. As always, I uh, want to give thanks to our studio sponsor, uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith. So um, I will get into a lot of sports. I've got the running backs in the NFL to talk about. I got a little basketball stuff to talk about because it comes because the ringer came out with about their top 25 players. I got a problem with that list. I'll get into all of that. Of course, the great Oscar De La Hoya, the former uh, welterweight and junior middleweight champion of the world, uh, now an exceptional promoter for Golden Boy Promotions, the owner and obviously a elite elite promoter. Um, Obviously, he's got a new documentary, a two-part documentary uh, coming out, uh, debuting tonight. Uh, So I'm looking forward to talking to Oscar De La Hoya, in just a few minutes. But before I get into any of that, um, I have to veer left and I have to veer left because I'm quite disturbed as I sit here and I'm trying to keep my cool because, you know, I don't, I just don't feel like, I really don't feel like cussing people out and really calling them out of their names and going the hell off. Um, but I'm pretty pissed off right now as we speak. And I just want to emphasize that I want to, Make sure to remind everybody this is my podcast, even though my day job is working for ESPN and doing first take on ESPN. I want to make sure that everybody understands that the words, the verbiage coming out of my mouth over the next few minutes are not the responsibility of that network. I own and operate this podcast. This is mine. I own it. ESPN has nothing to do with this. This is what I own and operate. I'm the boss of this podcast. And anything that transpires as it pertains to this podcast is solely my responsibility. It's on my shoulders. So I just want to throw out that caveat uh, because of the things that I'm about to say. And again, I don't know really what's going to come out of my mouth. Uh, so thank God I'm not over FCC Airways as we speak. You know, <clears throat> the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, has made news for several reasons. Several reasons. Um, and Jay, my producer, could you please do me a favor, please, and throw back up that number? Scroll back down because I want to make sure everybody knows if you've got questions, ask them in the YouTube chat, and I'll get to them at the end of the show. You can also call me on the SAS hotline, the Stephen A. Smith hotline at 646-727-0769, 646-SAS-0769. Back to Ron DeSantis. <clears throat> it's made news for a lot of reasons. Primarily because he is a governor of Florida that was deemed to be incredibly popular, winning re-election by over 19%. Um, he is the presidential candidate that if it were not for Trump, he would be the front runner. But because Donald Trump um, has been ahead by double digits for quite some time, he's been running at number two. He's recently made news because of changes in his staff. And and obviously he's been at war with quite a few people, including Walt Disney, along with various others. Um, As the noted conservative commentator George Will recently said about Ron DeSantis, every time you turn around, he's in a fight with somebody over something. Um, And recently he got into beef with African-Americans because he wanted to revamp uh, what African-Americans and what students in public schools were being taught. As it pertains to African American history. Um, and as of recently, we just learned that Ron DeSantis, part of the things that he was pushing for, came to light. And essentially, um, it was about teaching folks that there were benefits that African Americans received while being enslaved. I want to preface my comments by reminding y'all of what slavery is. It's indentured servitude. It's being, it's forced labor. It's being held and imprisoned essentially against your will for the benefit of those who have enslaved you, which in the case of African Americans, black people, would be white America.
2: Dr. Umar
0: Johnson, who regardless of his critique of me from time to time is somebody whose knowledge and intellect I highly respect. And I respect him as my brother. I saw him on social media recently, arguing on a television network And making what I found to be a very, very profound argument that black folks in this country are not immigrants. We didn't come here voluntarily. We were imported. And I think that's apropos when talking about this subject in regards to this governor who seemingly with every passing day reveals himself to be a disgrace to humanity. And I don't make that statement lightly. I'm a registered independent. I am not sold on a lot of things in regards to the Democratic Party, and I'm unapologetic about that. I've been outspoken about Trump, not because of his policies, but because of his behavior, because I think that the presidency is a statesman's position, statesmanship, a position of statesmanship. And you have to know how to act and conduct yourself. You can't walk around scaring half the nation, if not the world. And I just don't like the way he's conducted himself like a petulant child and the fact that he's been lying about losing the election. Um, And years before he lost the election, he said that he wouldn't concede defeat because he's always claiming that stuff is rigged. No matter what he's accused of. But Ron DeSantis. Clearly has wanted to rival Trump, clearly has wanted to ingratiate himself with the quote unquote MAGA Republicans out there. And he seems to be doing, you know, or exerting strenuous effort in order to do so. And to come up with a situation, a law that was passed by a board where folks would be taught that there were benefits to being enslaved. Is about as egregious and as offensive as it gets. There is no excuse for this at all. There's rationale behind it, and I'll get into that in a second. But there's no excuse for somebody who wants to be the president of the United States, the president to all people, to sit up there and look at a race of people and to ever think that there's anything that you can say that would make folks believe that there were benefits to being enslaved. Before I go any further, Ron DeSantis was on the campaign trail and he was in Utah surrounded by a bunch of people who look like him. Certainly none of us as black people, but surrounded by others sharing his human pigmentation, of course. And when addressed and broached about the question in regards to Benefits to slavery being taught in the schools of Florida. Here's what Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida had to say in response to that question by some reporter.
1: Well, you should talk to them about it. I mean, I didn't do it and I wasn't involved in it. Um, But I think um, I think what they're doing is I think that they're probably going to show some of the
0: folks that eventually parlayed. Uh, you know, being a blacksmith into, into doing things later, later in life. Um, but the reality is all of that is rooted in whatever is factual. They listed everything out. And if you have any questions about it, just ask the department of education. You can talk about those folks. But I mean, these were scholars who put that together. It was not anything that was um, that was done politically. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that this is the same governor that Um. um Put in the law to stop woke act, which prohibits workplace training or school instruction that teaches that individuals are inherently racist, sexist or oppressive, whether consciously or subconsciously. I can understand somebody fighting that, even if they're wrong. I can even understand him fighting the notion that. Folks bears personal responsibility for and must feel guilt, anguish or other forms of psychological distress over actions committed in the past by members of the same race, gender or national origin. There's plenty of white folks that walk around and saying, I wasn't born at that time. I didn't do that. I didn't do what my ancestors did. Why y'all holding me accountable? I understand that thinking, although some would agree, would disagree rather, because of the advantages that white males have had in this country. Nevertheless, you, you get that. Where you should be appalled is at this part about the Stop Woke Act that Rand, Ron DeSantis signed in the law. That people are privileged or oppressed based on race, gender or national origin. How could you possibly deny that in the United States of America? How could you possibly deny that? Ron DeSantis just saw him on camera. Talking about how. You know what? Maybe they're teaching them, you know, uh, while you were enslaved, you learned how to be a blacksmith. What do you mean learned? What did you teach black people? Black people were someplace else.
2: Building pyramids. Other buildings. Being blacksmith, running farms. It's amazing that Now there are
0: laws that are being put in place about what's being taught when once upon a time, Ron DeSantis, this country, right here in this country. It was against the law for blacks
2: to be allowed to read and write. You spent
0: centuries blocking their ability to read and write. You wanted them to be ignorant and oblivious. You wanted us to be ignorant and oblivious to our own history. And you made it unlawful. And what would happen to people who broke the law over such things like reading and writing and what have you in the United States of America as black people? What did you do?
2: You hung them. You burned them alive. You cooked them. Flat out cold-blooded murder. When black folks were being hung. It was like a damn town hall meeting.
0: Like some family gathering or a picnic or what have you. At the expense of black lives literally being taken from us.
2: because of rules and
0: regulations your ancestors put into place. Mr. Yale graduate who taught history
2: after graduating from Yale.
0: You know this, but you want folks not to ever learn about that history. You don't want that being taught in our schools. And if it is going to be taught in our schools, let's find the positive. Let me do as my man. My big brother, Joe Madison, the Black Eagle on Sirius XM channel 126, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every weekday. Let me use his phrase. Let me steal from him. Let me take it where the goats can get it.
2: Would you do this to Jewish folks?
0: Would you dare sign into law? Would you dare have the board of education in your state, do something that in any way camouflages, throw a cloth over or completely distances the Jewish community from their history. Would you do that? We both know you wouldn't. We both know you would. But without getting into it too heavily, because I know I can stay on this subject for days and I'm not going anywhere. What I would say to you, Ron DeSantis. And his cabinet, his campaign and his cabinet, all of y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. You should all be ashamed of yourselves for being a part of this. For this to even be a subject that's open for debate in the year 2023 is shameful. But I know why you're doing it. I know why you're doing it, Ron DeSantis. But before I tell you why, before I tell this audience why you're doing it, what I want to do is. I want to call out a colleague. Somebody who show that I've been on a couple of times, somebody who I respect. But I find myself ashamed of for him even broaching the subject in this in this platform. Don't even know if I'd speak to him again. It would happen to be Jesse Waters of Fox News. I respect his candor. I respect his knowledge. I'm not here to disrespect him. I'm here to say, damn. How insensitive can you be? What the hell am I talking about? See for yourself.
2: No one is arguing slaves benefited from slavery. No one is saying that. It's not true. They're teaching how black people developed skills during slavery in some instances that could be applied for their own personal benefit.
0: What the hell do you mean, Jesse? Nobody is teaching the benefits of slavery. What they're doing is teaching how blacks ultimately learned to trade while enslaved that ultimately benefited them down the road. Is that not double talking? Come on, Jesse. You better than that, bro. You better than that. And I'm not coming on Fox News to talk to you about this. You said it on your platform. I'm going to say it on mine. Come on, bro. It's the same thing. Nobody is teaching the benefits of slavery. They're simply teaching how you acquired this skill while enslaved that ultimately benefited you later on down the road. Really? Why even try to find a positive out of something so egregious, something so insidious? Where millions of lives were lost. Our ancestors jumped into the ocean.
2: Maybe shark infested waters.
0: Just to avoid being enslaved. Murders, rape, maiming, torture. All of these things happen. Why are we talking about a subject like that and saying, let's highlight some of the benefits? Why? Why? Why would you do that?
2: Could it be because you're not black and you have
0: no idea Of the historical, subliminal, emotional, spiritual, soulful impact it's had on a race of people. Why even bring it up? Why are we talking about this?
2: I'll tell you why.
0: You know. A few months ago, I was on this show right here on my show. And I made it a point to point out how the white population in America is dissipating before our very eyes. That's why you see Trump appealing to his base. That's why you see DeSantis trying to appeal to that base, because they understand that the white population, once 87 percent, once 84 percent, once 80 percent then 79. Now it's all the way down to 58.9 percent, according to the last numbers that I saw. Black population still hovering around 13 percent. Hispanic population is elevating. Over 19% are projected to be at about 30% by the year 2030. So as the white populace dwindles, you've got folks worried about maintaining political control. And they're using the American people as pawns to pull off your agenda. I told y'all DeSantis taught history.
2: He knows better. But you know what
0: this is also about? In my humble opinion, the governor of Florida wants to blunt the negative effects of slavery. So he can relieve a younger generation of possible guilt. Because you see that guilt is what led to folks in droves going to support Obama in 2008. And then again in 2012. That guilt assisted in Clinton becoming the president in 92 and then again in 96.
2: And obviously the numbers. Are a bit more challenging in this day and age. So what do you want to do? You want to make sure you
0: maintain political control. And how do you do that? By pointing out. We're tired of being blamed and reminded of what we've done. So let's just make sure the minds on to come up
2: don't adopt the same mentality. It's the curriculum, y'all. You can't keep black folks out. So what do you do? You alter the subject matter.
0: You start throwing question marks in there to assuage the concerns of a race of people that have have felt pigeonholed and marginalized. And in the process of doing all of that, you know what you also do? You deny the truth. You gloss over it. Because far be it for you to look in the mirror and stare at yourself and fully embrace the iniquities
2: of your actions. It also flies in the face
0: of Brown versus Board of Education, 1954. Don't y'all remember that? The elimination of separate but equal. Y'all remember that? Joe Madison said this morning, Ron DeSantis is the modern-day George Wallace. Segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever showing up to block a school for a couple of African-American students that were going to desegregate school. They attacked education. What is DeSantis
2: doing? Don't say gay. Stop woke act. This stuff. And people are falling for it. Hook, line, and sinker.
0: I remember when I saw this guy Was it Jason Aldean, the country music star?
2: You saw how his song caused such a political backlash?
0: Actually, the song was out since May. It wasn't until the video came out recently. And we saw that it was in front of some building where a black man was lynched in 1927. That was the placement of the video.
2: That it caused such an uproar.
0: For those of you who haven't seen the lyrics or haven't listened to the song or whatever. Here you go. Show those lyrics, please. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk. Carjack an old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on an owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool? Well, act like a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop. Spit in his face. Stomp on a flag and, and light it up. Yeah. You think you're tough? Well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road around here. We take care of our own. You cross that line. It won't take long for you to find out. I recommend you don't try that in a small town. Got a gun that my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that shit might fly in the city. Good luck. Try that in a small town. Are you ready for this, y'all? I find nothing racist about those lyrics. Surprised you did not. I? Nothing racist about those lyrics. Only when the video gets attached to it, do you see what he's trying to say? See, I ain't no damn hypocrite. I see the lyrics that are spewed in other genres, whether it's rock and roll, hip hop or whatever the case may be. If we don't say anything about them, we shouldn't be saying anything about Jason Aldean's lyrics. The problem is, A, the whole Trump supporter thing. Him showing up allegedly to some party in blackface, trying to look like Lil Wayne. There's racial undertones showing Black Lives Matter protest as opposed to protest at other places. I didn't see the insurrection on January 6th, 2021 in that video. Maybe I missed it, but I didn't see it.
2: What does that have to do with Ron DeSantis? It's simple. It's a race war taking place in our country.
0: But believe it or not, it's not by us. It's not by black people. Black folks understand that we're behind the eight ball. We understand that we got to do twice as good to get half as much most of the time. We understand the odds are stacked against us and we've never had faith that it's going to fully change. The difference is.
2: You once upon a time.
0: Before the arrival of the MAGA Republicans and this kind of culture war we appear to be in. Folks were willing to accept the iniquities of our history to some degree. Might not want it to pay reparations. Might not want it to be fair in the marketplace, in the job market. Might not want it to be fair when it came to own business. Oh, we can get money to buy a home, even though that's a struggle. We can get a loan to buy a home, even though that's a struggle. We can get money to buy a car. We can get money to buy that, but you want to start a business where you're able to build something from your own bootstraps and maximize your potential and ultimately get to a point where you don't need the system. That's always the toughest thing for black folks to get. We got that. We accepted that a long time ago. So what's happening now? It ain't black folks. What's going on now is you have a segment, not most, not all, but some. In the white community, on the fridges, who feel victimized. That's why white folks was in the street weeks ago celebrating when the Supreme Court omitted race from the equation of college admissions consideration. Acting like there was a cause to celebrate because somehow, some way, the very people who committed iniquitous Against a race of people and benefited for centuries because of it. Somehow
2: we're being victimized. There are white folks in this country. That blame black folks. That blame Latinos. We need a wall. Put those walls up. Keep them out. never looking at each other and what you've done.
0: And I never thought in my wildest dreams that Ron DeSantis would be the poster child for that. Like I said, I'm a registered independent. Once upon a time, I was hoping this man had a chance. I was actually rooting for him because I'm the dude That shows up and I'm like, hey, I don't want to broadcast and be transparent in my support for one party or another. Make them work for it. Who's giving us the best plan? Who's going to better support our community? Who's going to do the right things? Don't give us lip service. Don't try to engage in demagoguery, point out how the other side is racist. The Republican Party, when, excuse me, it was Republicans that brought the civil rights bill to the jet, to the desk of Lyndon B. Johnson. It was the Dems who were opposing it. I'm one of those dudes. so I'm pre- on being an independent thinker, although there are various people that are f- far smarter than me, far more educated and knowledgeable and listen to them. But I know what I'm seeing here. And what I'm seeing here
2: is a governor from Florida
0: that has said to one group of people who look like him, Come with me. I got y'all. And has said to another group of people, black folks, y'all can kick rocks.
2: That's what I'm seeing. And I'm seeing it. And I'm seeing it. For one reason, and one reason only. Why even bring up a point to try and defend it? That's why
0: I brought you up, Jesse Waters. Whether I agree or disagree, his knowledge, Jesse Waters is knowledgeable. He's earned his stripes. He's worked his way up the ranks throughout the years. He's got a damn good show. I've been on it a couple of times. I respect him. I don't respect this. Maybe you can find, you know, hey, blacksmiths trained and, you know, carpenters and this and that. Why in God's name would that matter when you're talking about slavery and you know how vicious and awful slavery was to millions upon millions upon millions of people? Six million Jewish folks reportedly died in the Holocaust. It's a hell of a lot more that lost their lives in slavery. And I ain't diminishing the Jewish plight by any means. They're my brothers too and sisters. You would never
2: do that when it came to them. Why would you do that when it comes to black folks and slavery? Y'all can
0: answer that question for yourself. I'm sad today. I'm sad because of Ron DeSantis. I'm sad because of Jesse Waters. I'm sad for anybody who would even take time trying to defend this. Wasn't even necessary to bring up. And I got news for you, Ron DeSantis. You think this won't cost you in a general election. I know you don't care because you're thinking all I got to do is get past Trump. And if I do that, I can take out the Dems. You might be right.
2: But I doubt it. Because either you'll lose the general
0: election, assuming you win the nomination for the Republican Party, or you'll win, and this country will never come together under your stewardship because it will believe
2: emphatically, with evidence in their backdrop, that you don't give a damn about anybody. From the black community. And if
0: the Latinos feel the same way about you, considering the fact that you shipped. Migrants. That weren't even in your state. To places like Martha's Vineyard. Using them as a political pawns. You clearly don't give a
2: damn about them either. Damn, sir. Damn. I was hopeful for you. anymore.
0: I'll switch back to sports. In just a minute, you're listening live. Stephen A. Smith Show. Be back in a minute.
1: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high?
0: Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, right here on the Stephen A. Smith Show, which continues to grow and grow and grow. I'll probably be at 250,000 subscribers in five months time in just a hour or so so thank you for your love support and everything in between really really appreciate it by the way continue to show that love and support make sure to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith show on YouTube click the bell to get notified of all our new content thank you so much let me get to sports for a quick second because I got Oscar De La Hoya coming up uh Golden Boy Promotions obviously we've got Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence Jr. coming up this Saturday night in Las Vegas Nevada I'll be there I can't miss I can't miss this one this is something special. I can't wait. Um, a story that's been percolating in the world of sports has been running backs. Let me get right to it. Running backs are getting screwed over by the National Football League. Now, I don't say the National Football League is in the league office. I'm talking about the league itself. That means the league in concert with the Players Association who negotiated this deal and what have you. And for those of you who don't understand, here's what's going on. So if you're a running back, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how productive you've been. At some point in time, what the National Football League does is look at your birth certificate and they say, hell, you're 27, 28 years old. That ain't going to work for us. And so because of that, you're marginalized and essentially uh, pushed out, not necessarily of a job, but from earning the level of pay that other people at their respective positions earn in the National Football League. What makes it even worse is that, let's take, for example, Saquon Barkley, the New York Giants, or Josh Jacobs for the Los Angeles, I'm sorry, for the Las Vegas Raiders, who are both looking for new deals. Neither was able to reach a long-term deal with their respective franchises, the Giants and the Raiders. And as a result, they have a choice. They could sign the franchise tag. They could be franchised by their team. All right. Sign for $10 million when they think they're worth about 15 or 16 a year. Sign for $10 million, $91,000. And they sign those deals and it's on a one-year franchise tender. They're looking for long-term security. So you sign a deal and you get most people, particularly quarterbacks, you sign a deal and you know what? It's the $200 million and maybe $150 is guaranteed, right? You get hurt year one, but the guaranteed portion of those dollars still come to you, although the incentives may not. Okay, because you have a lengthier deal. But in the case of being franchise tagged, particularly in the case of a running back, you sign this one deal. What if Saquon Barkley goes out there and he gets hurt? He's got no money guaranteed to him next season or the season beyond that. And worse, not only can the Giants or the Raiders in Jacobs case, respectively, literally franchise tag them this year. But they also have the right to franchise tag them next year. That's jacked up. That's not fair. And so their recourse is to sit out the season. Or you can sit out all the training camp and show up once the regular season begins, you don't start losing money until the regular season begins, but Saquon Barkley is contemplating sitting out and all of this other stuff is jacked up. And let me give you a perfect example. So we've got situations here, right? For example, seven of the top nine players in scrimmage yards last season were running backs. Seven of the top nine players who led their teams in yards from scrimmage. We're running backs. Eight of the top 11 touchdown scorers in the National Football League last season. We're running backs. Derek Henry. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a man that is universally recognized as arguably the best in the game. He has been nothing short of sensational in his time. With as a Tennessee Titan, we see quarterbacks get paid 200 million. Sean Watson got 230 million. We see defensive players making some money. Derrick Henry has made a grand total of $46 million in seven NFL seasons. Here's a guy who's rushed for 8,335 yards and has scored a total of 81 career touchdowns. And I'm just looking further at some of these notes here. And I'm seeing Joe Mixon, 32.7 million over six years, Dalvin Cook, 32 million over six years. Kareem Hunt, $17 million over six years. Ladies and gentlemen, this is in a league that's giving out $100 million contracts, $200 million contracts. I stand with the National Football League running backs. And here's my suggestion. If they wanted to do right by these guys, if the NFL and the NFLPA wanted to do right by these guys, very, very simple. You know what you could do? At least take away the franchise tag. At least one of them. How about making sure that they could come into the league earlier so they could start earning money at an earlier age, as opposed to being restricted by the same limitations in terms of entering the NFL that other players at different positions are allowed to come into the league? If guys got to play three years in college before coming into the NFL, how about allowing a running back to play one? Letting them come in the league two years earlier so they can start making their money two years earlier. So you can't look at them when they're 27 to 28 years of age. Or so you can look at them at that particular moment in time and say, okay, that's fine. Where other guys get to be in their 30s before they're considered over the hills, you're labeling guys over the hill in their late 20s, even though they're showing a level of productivity. It ain't right. It ain't right. Let me move on real quick. The ringer. Comes out with top 25 NBA players. I saw the list. Put the list up, Jay. Please. Nikola Jokic at number one, no problem. Steph Curry, number two, no problem. Giannis Antetokounmpo, number three, no problem. Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, no problem. I got a problem at number eight with Kawhi Leonard because, damn it, isn't showing up to work a requirement? I know what he I know what a star he is, a superstar he is when he's on the court. But talk about some brother that missed games. Mr. low management. I don't know about that. 8 is questionable because of Kawhi Leonard's availability, nothing else. Number 9, Jimmy Butler. Damn. I love my brother Jimmy Butler.
2: I really do. Great player.
0: Dog in a good way. But number 9 Ahead of Devin Booker? Ooh, I can't do that. Ahead of Anthony Davis? No, who needs to be available for more games himself, but no, I can't do that. Ahead of LeBron James? Ladies and gentlemen, let's be real. LeBron James has to be in your top five. Can we stop? As great as I think Kevin Durant is, and as much as I praised him over all of these years, Because I think he is elite and he is special. The fact is, his rep done took a hit now. I got to put LeBron up there. I got to put LeBron up ahead of uh, Joel Embiid. I saw Joel Embiid in Game 7. I ain't like what I saw. Joel Embiid ain't never been to a conference finals. Let alone NBA Finals. No! I can't put LeBron ahead of him. No! No! I mean, I can't put him ahead of LeBron. LeBron's got to be in your top five. So, 10, 11, and 12 to me belongs ahead of Jimmy Butler. And respectfully, I put Damian Lillard ahead of Jimmy Butler. Because if Damian Lillard went to Miami, which is his wish, we all know he would be their number one option, not Jimmy Butler. Let's stop it. Let's stop it. Let's stop that right now. That's my issue with this list. John Morant, 18. There's not 18 players in the NBA better than John Morant. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. That's a superstar. Now stop. Stop. But we'll revisit this list at a later date because right now I have to play an interview for you. I spoke to him earlier. He's got a two-part docuseries coming out. Um, Golden Boy documentary premieres July 24th. That is today. Oscar De La Hoya gets candid. Especially with your boy, Stephen A. Here's myself with the one and only, Oscar De La Hoya. This next man needs no introduction if you know anything about the sport of boxing, if you know anything about the world of sports, period. I mean, he's not a basketball player, but he's got a statue outside of Staples Center for crying out loud, or what was formerly called the Staples Center. He's a former 11-time world champion, six different weight classes, um... The, who started Golden Boy Promotions in the year two thousand and two? You didn't see boxers starting their own promotion company, but this brother did it, and he's still doing it in a big way. The Golden Boy himself, Oscar De La Hoya. What's going on, Big time? How are you, man? How's
1: everything? All oh, good, my man. Thank you for having me. It's feeling great. You know, it's funny you tell me about the the Golden Boy Promotions and starting in two thousand two. We're still going strong man. after so many years, so I'm blessed.
0: Man, I got to admit to you, man, when you first started it out, I mean, if anybody could pull it off, you could, because I've never seen a box in history that had such a pristine image like you do. You were young, had the Golden Boy look, was wearing suits when you were 17, <laughs> 18 years old. I said, damn, I mean, he was Tom Ford before we knew about Tom Ford for crying out loud. <laughs> I, got, I had to give it to you. But I really want to talk to you about this two-part documentary, The Golden Boy, that's coming out Monday, July 24th. HBO, can't wait to see it. What are we going to learn about Oscar De La Hoya that we haven't already learned?
1: I mean, look, you you know about the golden boy. You know about the smile. You know about the golden look. You know about everything that I touch turns to gold. But you don't know about the dark side. Mm -hmm. You don't know about stuff that I never talked about Uh, that I was always embarrassed to reveal, uh, this is a raw, real, and in-your-face type of uh, documentary. Nobody, I I guarantee you, nobody in my stature has ever come out and spoken like this the way we did it with HDL.
0: Mm. And what made you decide to do it now? It's the year 2023. You've been retired from the sport for a while, but obviously still incredibly yeah. relevant because you've had very elite fighters in your stable, uh, and we know that. But what made you decide to do it in the year 2023?
1: It was it was time to free myself. Um, yeah. It was time to free myself from from the golden boy from from that that image that that, that people painted. Uh, of me uh, many years ago. It's a lot of pressure even what I, what I lived, what I, what I faced in my life. Um, I must've been depressed 10 times over. I must've had a, a mental health issues over and over and over again. But that boxing ring was my escape. Mm-hmm. My, the boxing ring was a place where I can be happy and just get away from the world Um, people are going to find out what type of relationship I had with my mother. You got to remember, I dedicated the gold medal Mm. to her in 1992. But did I? Right. That's what you're going to find out. Was it all a lie? Mm. That's what you're going to find out in the documentary. And then some. When you allude, as you just did,
0: to life outside the ring, sort of, I always get the impression, because I've had the pleasure uh, of meeting you and knowing you a little bit over the years, and you and I have always yeah. been cool. You've always been good to me, and I love you for it. And you've always been a treasure to the sport of boxing. Uh, but but I I often wonder when you talk about life outside the ring. I'm thinking about an Oscar De La Hoya that may have felt imprisoned because you had to have that perfect image. Give some kind of depiction or description of what life was like for Oscar De La Hoya outside the ring during his professional career, especially more so than his
1: post career. Right. Well, during, during my professional career, I was being pulled left and right from everyone all over the world. You know, um, we didn't have social media back then, but I had the pressure from my family taking care of everybody. My father, you know, uh, I had the pressure of my dying mother who her wish was for her son to become the Olympic gold medalist and so now I'm convinced that I'm doing it for her so if you saw me fight every single fight professionally I would look up to the sky and and get her last blessing but, but you know that, that 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 weight on my heart that weight on my shoulder all I can think about was, man, you you would beat me up every single day as a kid. So, so my life was a double-edged sword. Mm. My life was so confusing. And who I was doing it for, I was doing it for everybody else except for myself. So, so life was confusing. Life was, I literally wanted to end life. Mm. That's the bottom line. Every Every single day of my life. There's so
0: many people. And I only ask this question just listening to the answer that you just provided. There's so many people in today's day and age that go to the extreme from a standpoint, they just can't take it. The the weight, the mental toll it puts on you. People have harmed themselves. They've attempted to harm themselves. They didn't want to live anymore. Did you ever get to any of those points? In your career, yeah, in your life?
1: I about three times. Oh, cool. I uh, I thought about. It. Wow. Um, there was one occasion where I where I talk about in the film. I remember uh, driving my Ferrari down the freeway about one hundred and seventy miles per hour, mm. um, and and just hoping that something happened, mm. you know. And and l- luckily, there is somebody that's looking out for me, but. And that's the psychological, you know, great thing about this film is, is that it's like I love my mother, but I hated her for just for just abusing me, mm. you, you know. Right. So all those emotions, you're, you're going to be able to to find out what this film is all about when you watch mm. it. It's going to be it's like no other, man. Did you ever reconcile things with your mom? Yes, I did. Right. Yes, I did. Just recently. Really, just recently, yeah. And how,
0: and how would you? Um, how were you able to do that? Like, did you just walk up to her one day and just said, "I, I need to talk to you"? I need, or was it? Did she co- approach you? How exactly did that
1: come about? Well, this is the crazy part, uh, Stephen, is that she has been dead for years. Yeah, and and so how do I reconcile with somebody that is not here? Right. I actually went to the cemetery. Oh, okay. And 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 I started talking to her. And the, and the first words that came out of my mouth were I I freaking hate you, mm. and I just started bawling because I started talking about how I feel. Mm-hmm. I hate you for hitting me, for 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 abusing me, for not loving me, for not telling me you love me. And after I I, I finished with that, it lasts like half an hour. I felt like all the weight. Way- off my shoulder, man. wow! And that's when I started to heal. Mm. And it takes time. It yeah. takes it takes a lot of work, mm. you know. So it it's it's still a healing process. Did you get to that
0: point on your own? Because I, you know, being around like if you see Oscar walk into a room, you're <laughs> surrounded by love. Like the people you have with you, it's clear. Like, I, in, in, in the times that I've been around you, I don't care who it was, I can look at your team and it's like, they, they you know, they, they they got a lot of love for this brother. They got a lot of love yeah, for this guy. Yeah. It, 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 is it that or was it something that you were able to come to on your own that gave you the
1: courage to confront
0: your emotions and your mental state? Yeah,
1: story? that's a great point, Stephen, That I had to figure it out myself. Yeah. Because... In my life, I'm the golden boy. Yes, I'm I'm the golden goose. So, whoever I'm employing, whoever I'm paying, whoever I'm, you know, taking care of, whether it's family, uh, friends, family, whatever, I have to doubt whether they like me or not. Mm. As a person, if I was just a Joe Schmo and a person, would they really like me? Right. So I'm, I'm confronted with all those questions. Every single time. So all I got to do is just think about myself and put myself first.
0: When you think about and you brought up the relationship that you had with your mother, did it make you a better fighter and a great champion (laughs) that you that you were? Or is there something you feel you left in the ring That we've never seen, even though you're an 11-time champion, for crying out loud. uh, Which which one is it? Did we see more or less of what Oscar De La Hoya had to offer to the sport of boxing inside that square circle because of Uh, your relationship with your mother?
1: Yeah, I I think you saw what was meant to be seen. Meaning, I couldn't have done it without the abuse of my mother, Mm -hmm. with the anger I had. Carrying inside the ring, but also it it allowed me—the abuse—allowed me to to abuse myself, abuse my body. Mm. The drinking, the go partying, you know, out late,
2: this and that.
1: So I I was the champion and the driven fighter because of my mom, but I was limited because of what that brought to me and, uh, you know, with the drinking and the partying and this and that. So, Mm.
0: you know, let me transition a little bit to inside the ring because obviously that's what most people know you for, even though today a lot of people that don't know much about boxing still knows about golden boy promotions, golden boy promotions, big time. I got to tell you something. One of my favorite moments of your career is when you knocked out Fernando Vargas. I mean, I was, I was, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked when you kicked May- Ricardo Mayorga's ass because he was talking about, he was talking about your right. lady. and He deserved his ass kick, okay? He deserved <laughs> his ass kicking, right? I got that. But Fernando Vargas tried to question your heritage, tried to question whether you, you belonged and all of that other stuff. And you, and, and you put, you put him down. You dropped him. I believe it was the 10th round and then took him out in the 11th when Jim Lampley made one of the great boxing calls that I've ever seen. But, I That's one of my favorite moments watching you. What was your favorite
1: moment? You know it's crazy because it's always going to be the Olympic Games. Olympics Rais- raising up my hand right, and looking up to the sky to my mother, to my abuser, right, and not being able to cry or smile mm. and just feel the pain inside.
0: but that made it that but that was the best feeling. That was the, that best, was the best moment of my life. Because you, you felt like you conquered demons? You overcame odds that she didn't believe you'd overcome? What was it?
1: Well, because I I felt that her relationship and her anger towards me helped me mm-hmm. to build that character inside the ring in order to become champion. What's the most unfair
0: thing or unfair label you believe you have received in your career, whether it be inside or outside the ring? What is the most unfair label you think you've ever received?
1: Uh, the unfair label? I mean, look, you're, you're always going to have critics and people who are going to be talking about you left and right. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty proud with what I've done. I, I think people are going to always talk. Um, but there's, there's always the label of being... A, a, a bad promoter, you really? know, because because of a, of a bad decision. Mm.
0: I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. To I've, me, I've never heard. I've never heard anybody call you a bad promoter. I've never heard that. Yeah, I got to admit that. Well, I'm you, serious. I've never heard that.
1: When when bad decisions happen, mm-hmm. they always blame the promoter. That's right.
0: Okay, I got you. Um, the one critique that, you, and I know you know where I'm going with this, that anybody would give you is your Fort Felix Trinidad, and you were winning a fight and yeah. then you 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 got as they would say you got on your bicycle the last three rounds cuz you thought you had it won is that something I ran. is that something you regret
1: always till till this day mm. in, in my fighting career as a professional the one regret i has running those last three rounds mm. and
0: why because of the criticism that people gave you or because you thought you could possibly take out Trinidad? I should have just knocked him out.
1: Yeah. I was listening to my coroner, um, Gil Clancy, Blake Riff Clancy, yes. yelling at me in the corner. you have to run, you have to box, do not let him hit you. You have to fight, one. Mm. And that's what I did. Mm.
0: When you think about it, your, Fort, your, your Fort Floyd Money Mayweather, you fought Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao, essentially, that was basically your last fight, if I remember correctly. But, um, you know, you you got it from your stool and you just said, enough's enough. I've never seen, any, nobody's ever seen you do that in your career. We know Bernard Hopkins got you with the rib shot, okay, okay. with shot to the ribs. Um, But I'm wondering, when you lost to Pacquiao, what was that experience like for you? Was it him being too much or was it you just saying,
1: I'm just not what I used to be? I'll tell you a little story from the second part of the film, Okay, which is amazing. Um, In training camp during the Pacquiao fight, I was getting beat up in training camp by my sparring partners. Mm -hmm. So right there and then I knew that it was over. Mm. So now I'm just going through the motions of training. I'm losing a lot of weight because I started this new diet, which was a big mistake. I started drinking heavily. Before the fight, I never did, before oh, the, during camp. I'm during camp. Got you. Go ahead. During camp, I started drinking heavily, like the two last weeks of training camp mm. leading up to the fight. Wow, and I, I went into the fight already knowing that I'm not And uh, Pacquiao just pummeled on me. I was in the corner, hoping that he would knock me out. Just wishing that he would land that perfect punch to take me out and why were you, and was. why were you wishing that? because I there's nothing I can do. I wasn't myself mm. I, 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 I was a child of myself as you reflect on
0: not just your career but the sport of boxing, first question, what do you believe you've done for the sport of boxing?
1: You know, I've showed a lot of young kids that in order to be great, you have to fight the very best. You have to fight everyone in front of you. First and foremost, you know, a lot of fighters are thinking it's a business. If you don't care about your legacy, then okay, it is a business. Mm -hmm. But I taught fighters... That in order to be the very, very best, you have to fight the best in their prime.
0: Do you feel fighters, far too many of them, are not doing that in this day and age? And if that is the case, who's to blame, the fighters or the promoters?
1: I think think the fighters are to blame now because a lot of fighters are thinking that they can take control of, of their business, of their own destiny. There's a promoter for a reason mm-hmm. that guides your career. And don't get me wrong. There's been bad promoters, terrible promoters. Yes. But, but then there's promoters uh, who want to guide your career and take it to the very top. I'll give you an example. When I did the Ryan Garcia fight yep. with uh, with Tank Davis, right? I would have never taken... The rehydration clause. I would have never taken uh, less money, but the kid wanted to to fight him. He was under pressure by the public in taking this fight, and we all know what happened.
0: Well, listen, I don't blame the public for Ryan Garcia taking that fight. I blame Ryan Garcia. This dude was on social media you know, pursuing Javante Davis for a long time. And I still believe in Ryan Garcia. I still believe he's young. He's, got trem- he's young. He's got tremendous potential. He just came in there over anxious and was just swinging. And if you watch him work out the level of the, the speed, the level of accuracy and stuff like that, all of that was out the window. He just looked wild and undisciplined. And Javante really, really knows how to fight. So he knew how to bait him. And that's what I got from that.
1: Am I right? You are correct. You are correct. Gervantes is an amazing, amazing fighter. I love the guy. But you also have to take into consideration that
0: the rehydration
1: caused the next day yep. will get you weak, will take you out of your game plan. Mentally,
0: you're not there. Mm. And that's probably what happened, which is why he went down with a body shot and couldn't get up uh, because the body shot took him. It makes perfect, perfect sense. So if the fighters, are watching this docuseries, The Golden Boy, May 24th, I'm sorry, sorry, July 24th, I apologize, on HBO, and they watch this. What do you want the fighters to actually get and take from watching this
1: docuseries? I want the fighters to think about themselves first because us fighters are people pleasers. Mm -hmm. Anybody, whether it's actors, whether it's entertainers, we wanna please the people. we forget about ourselves think about you first when making decisions floyd money mayweather was a guy that was famous for that
0: and he believed in making his money and he was about the business of boxing and obviously it's been incredibly beneficial for him and he has served as a tremendous model for boxers uh, to strive to follow in one regard on the other hand Even though I believe, particularly when he was in a lightweight division, more so than in a welterweight division later on when he always had troubles with his hands because his hands would get broke. Um, When you talk about guys fighting the best in the world when they're the best in the world and not waiting, that is something that was a knock against Floyd Money Mayweather at times. Do you believe that was fair? And is that something that has hurt the sport of boxing in your estimation?
1: No, look, Floyd, Floyd. Mayweather is a is a person, a fighter that I will respect. Uh, his talent is 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 like no other. His defense was incredible, and I promoted all fifteen of his fights. And all the all the beef and all the back and forth uh, about us was just because I was not in a good place. Mm. You know, Floyd being successful, Floyd winning money. Floyd becoming the, the money mayweather after he beat me yeah it's like there's a sense of like a little jealousy mm-hmm. you know and and so the beef back and forth and this and that but i as a person now i i i respect him for his abilities for his defense and for what he did for the sport mm. How much of a motivation
0: was Bob Arum, Don King, people like that, who were, the you know, Butch Lewis back in the day, the list goes on and on, promoters, no doubt, extraordinary promoters in the eyes of many, but obviously had their share of enemies because of how some perceived they did business. What level of motivation did they provide for Golden Boy Promotions?
1: all the motivation. I, I did this because of Don King, because of Barbera. I remember I fought Felix Trinidad and finding out that Barbera made more money than I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a lot
0: of money. That's right. That's right. That's right. So in the end, it comes down to this. Golden Boy Promotions is here to stay. Uh, you got a stable of Young Fighters. I'm looking at the sport of boxing right now, and I'm really interested in your take as it pertains to how we should feel about the sport of boxing. Considering the athletes, the, the tremendous boxes that are existing, we got Crawford going up against Spence soon, We've got Canillo going up against Charlo soon. Uh, Ryan Garcia is not going anywhere. I'm looking at the white the lightweight division with Shakur Stevenson, Javante Davis. You got a uh, 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 Devin Haney. The list goes on and on. Uh, uh, Tiafimo Lopez. I, I actually let let me let me say this to you, Oscar. I want you to. Uh, uh, how do you feel about this advice? I ran into Tiafimo Lopez and his dad, and I said to his father, to his face, I said, "Listen, I respect you. I respect your love and your belief in your son." Some of the bravado, some of the antagonistic tendencies you throw into the equation, you might want to wait until you get a signature on the dotted line before you start doing all of that. Because some people mm-hmm. might avoid your son because of that right hand, because the brother got some power. But other people might avoid him because they might say to hell with him, I can't stand his damn daddy so much, make him wait. Was yeah. I was was I wrong in that assessment?
1: No, you hit it right on the on the nail's head. I think uh for a lot of fights, silence is your best is your best friend. So. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely
0: right. Um, the sport of boxing, you're feeling what way about it at this particular moment in
1: time? A good place, a great place, not so great place? How are you feeling? I think it's in a great place. Uh, I strongly feel that the fact that Golden Boy worked with PBC and made the right idea fight with Gervonta uh, Davis, I think that opened the doors and, and and made everybody realize, hey, we must make the big fights so we won't continue losing the boxing fans and grow the sport. Um, it was a huge success. And I think that every promoter out there, every fighter out there is uh, is just realizing that, hey, it's time to step up. It's time to step up for the sport and for the fans. I give...
0: A lot of credit, believe it or not, to somebody like Dana White simply because he gives folks the fights that they want to see in the UFC and boxing makes us wait too long. I think that when you have a pugilistic sport that gives you the fights that you want, I think people clamor for that. Like, you know, I want Canelo versus David Benavides. I want that bad. Very, very bad. I do too. I'm of the mindset that Charlo is a little too small. I've been told I'm sleeping on him because he's very athletic. I know he's great. I know he's gifted. I'm just saying he's been fighting at 160 as opposed to Canilla, who went up to 175, came down to 168, went sure. back up to 175, came down to 168. I'm worried about him being undersized. And I look at stuff like that. But I do think boxing needs to do a better job of giving folks the fights they want to see when they want to see it. As an elite promoter in this game today, how do you feel about that?
1: No, I feel the exact same way. I, I believe Dana White—he's been doing an amazing job because he's the only player in the game, right? He has he has ESPN, the big machine, mm-hmm. right behind him, supporting him. He has all the fighters. Um, you know, boxing is so fragmented, mm-hmm. and but I just feel that if if fighters can speak up a little more and tell their managers, their promoters. Um, look, I want to fight this fighter and demand them, then there's no reason why these fights shouldn't be made.
0: By the way, Jamel Charlo and Canelo are fighting at 154, not even 160 from what I'm being told. Ain't that something? So Canillo's coming down even further. That's what one of my producers just told me. I didn't even realize that. But uh, getting back to Data White for a second, are y'all okay now, Oscar? Because he still, he, he sounded a little salty a couple of years ago because you, you how you felt about Conor McGregor versus Mayweather. Have you come together? Have y'all, have y'all, have y'all made amends? You're two great guys in pugilistic sports. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't need to be seeing y'all being uh, disliking one another. Are, are y'all cool with each other?
1: Look, I, you know me, Steven. i I can get along with everybody. Yep. Um, let's just say that professionally, um, I respect him what he's done in the UFC, what he's doing, giving everybody the great fights. Uh, But personally, I don't think we can ever get along.
0: Mm -hmm. I'll leave it alone. I won't go any further than that. That's y'all business, man. Let me ask you this last question. This two-part series, The Golden Boy, July 24th, HBO, coming up this Monday. What do you want people to walk away saying when all is said and done about Oscar De La Hoya? Writing your own epitaph, why you're still alive, what would it be? He did it
1: his way. You know, he did it his way and he's still alive. Yeah.
0: Oscar, man, always proud of you. Always love talking to you, my man. I really appreciate you, all the greatness that you've given the world of sports, especially the world of boxing. You know me. You've met me too many times to to not know what a fan I am of yours. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm gonna, I'm looking forward to watching this docu-series. I will be watching it Monday, July 24th. I ain't missing it. Don't even worry about that. I'm going to see it, <laughs> and I'm encouraging everybody out there to do so as well. You going to be at the Spence Crawford fight?
1: I'm going to be there. I can't miss it. All right. It's going to be the fight of the year. This will
0: be the fight of the year. Oscar De La Hoya, the great Oscar De La Hoya. Appreciate you, my man. You take care of yourself, all right? Thank you, my man. appreciate you. All right, buddy. Take care. The one and only Oscar De La Hoya right here with Stephen A. On the Stephen A. Smith show. You Listen, the Golden Boy. That, that should say it. I mean, you don't <laughs> need to say anything else. It's the Golden Boy. That's all you need to know. July 24th, HBO. Don't miss it.
1: This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock like my lifeline until I
0: flat line, I push it to the red line. Who stop me, huh? Who stop me huh? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith show, and thanks again to the great Oscar De La Hoya for coming on. I'm looking forward to watching that two-part docu-series tonight. Uh Oscar De La Hoya, the one and only. And boy, can I not wait for that fight this Saturday night. Terrence Crawford ever Spencer Jr. been waiting for it for years. Whole bunch of boxing dignitaries are expected to be there as well they should because um this is what it's all about. By the way, make sure to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith show on YouTube. Click the bell to get notified of all our new content. Uh, before I go to the calls um, and the questions uh, to end the show, uh, Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi, superstar soccer player, now a member of the Miami squad um, in the MLS, showed up, debuted this past weekend, scores the winning goal absolutely spectacular on his part. We know this. Um, Stephen A is not that excited. Here's the reason why.
2: In Europe, soccer is king. And he's the
0: king in the greatest soccer leagues in the world. You know, him, Ronaldo, a few others, no doubt. Um, But the bottom line is he's that dude. The MLS Is considered the G League compared to bigger, greater, more accomplished soccer leagues in Europe. So when one of, if not the greatest player in the world comes to the G League um, and he does what he did the other night, I'm not surprised. So I'm not quite, it was nice to see Kim Kardashian there. It was nice to see Serena Williams. there. It was nice to see LeBron James there, but I'm not surprised. I'm just not surprised. I mean, who he's playing against, they're not on his level. The league is lucky to have him. Unless he's great. Um, but it's the equivalent, if we're being honest, if you want to judge the league, it's like LeBron James going up against a bunch of college players. I just don't expect a different outcome. It's just how I feel about it. I will say this, though. This kid, Gillian uh, Mbappe, from France, um, after missing out on Messi, Saudi team Al halil Al Hilal rather, made a record three hundred and thirty-two million dollar bid for Mbappe on Monday, which could see the French striker join Cristiano Ronaldo in the oil-rich kingdom. Um, Paris Saint-Germain confirmed the offer for its players and has given Al-Hilal permission to open negotiations directly with Mbappe, but sources told ESPN that Mbappe is not interested in the offer. The 2018 World Cup winner is in a contract standoff with PSG after his decision to not take up the option of a 12-month extension on his deal. Instead, he plans to walk away as a free agent at the end of the upcoming season when he is widely expected to join Real Madrid. Sources tell ESPN that should Mbappe go to Real Madrid on a free transfer next summer? He would potentially get a uh, one hundred million plus signing on fee. He would also get another eighty million bonus this December. Should he opt to stay with PSG? All right. So, I mean, there you have it. You're talking about the money that's offered to him and to some incentives and other pieces that could end up he ended up being a, a, a two hundred thirty two million for one year. The deal could exceed a billion dollars. I mean, that's something special. There's so no doubt about that. That's what they're talking about here. All right. Just wanted y'all to know that that's astronomical dollars that could upset the landscape. You start doing that for one individual, the sport is going to go to hell in a handbasket because a lot of people are going to be looking for their piece of the pie and ain't going to get it. So it is what it is. Just so y'all know. we got about a, a few callers to get to. So let's do that now, along with any questions that you may have. Uh, you're listening to Stephen A. right here. On Stephen A. Smith Show Live on the digital airwaves of YouTube. Yet, yet I fly Flyer 42, right? Stephen A. Smith, what's your top five sport mechas in the world? Hmm. Well, most of my stuff has been in the United States of America from a sports standpoint. I would also I would tell you, however, Wembley Stadium can't be ignored. I gotta throw that in there. Um because I'm just familiar with that, no doubt about it. Um I've always wanted to see the Roman Coliseum. I've never been there. Um, but in terms of arenas, I have to put Jerry World, AT&T Stadium in Texas. I have to put that up there. New SoFi Stadium. I got to put that up there. No doubt about that. Um, so I gave you really three. Wembley, those two. Uh, hmm, Because I've been a lot of different places. A lot of different places. Um I'm not going to pick a venue, but I'm going to pick a city. There's nothing like being in Vegas for a big fight. There's nothing like being in Vegas for a big fight. I just got to say that. I just got to say that. So I got SoFi Stadium, Wembley Stadium, AT&T Stadium, Vegas, period, T-Mobile Center, MGM Grand, Caesars Palace, whatever. For a big fight, there's nothing like being in Vegas. So that's for, I'm going to say the Garden. It might be rat infested because Penn Station's under it at times and all of this other stuff, but the garden is the garden. It's Madison Square Garden. So I'm going to roll with that. Mel B. Lau writes, will SAS run in 2024? No, I will not uh, because I don't think I'd win. Uh, only inter- The only office, elected office, I'd be interested in running for is the presidency, and you've got to shake too many hands, kiss too many babies, and kiss too much you-know-what. To really garner the support, the financial support needed to market and advertise and promote and campaign. And I don't think that I would ever be able to generate the money. But I will tell you this. um, If I could, I'd certainly run against the people that's there now. I'd run against Trump. I'd run against DeSantis. I'd run against Biden. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. I've lamented the state of affairs with California, uh, the high taxes and stuff like that. Uh, but I got to tell you, when I watched Gavin Newsom debate against Sean Hannity, Gavin Newsom impressed the hell out of me. He impressed the hell out of me. Personally speaking, you got Trump and DeSantis. I'm going to mention my man, Christie, on the right. Um Ramaswamy is no joke. He's climbing up the charts. He's a highly intelligent and accomplished individual. He's somebody to be reckoned with. I don't think he should be ignored. Um, But I got to tell you, I would love, y'all going to call me crazy for saying this. I would love to see Gavin Newsom. I think that Gavin Newsom would give anybody a run for their money. When I saw him go against Sean Hannity and I see some of these videos of him defending Democrats against the GOP and I see him pointing out some of the things that are not pointed out about the the Republican run States. I'm like, wait a minute. Now I didn't know that information. Like I didn't know that there are red States paying higher taxes overall than the state of California. I didn't know that. So when he makes those cases, I got to tell you something, Gavin Newsom is somebody to be reckoned with and Andrew Cuomo. That's right. I said it. We know that the scandal-ridden governor is what ran him out of office because of what he was accused of. It ended up amounting to nothing. It was clearly a concerted effort to get him out of office. How true the story is, I don't know. He denied it. It wasn't proven, but he's out of office. But I'll tell you this. I didn't like the decisions to put folks with COVID in nursing homes and stuff. I get that. But overall, he's very popular. He's very accomplished. He knows his stuff. And a Gavin Newsom or an Andrew Cuomo wouldn't bother me one bit. I'd like to see them going up against some of these Republican folks. That's just me. Jelani Henderson writes, which NFL team will surprise people this year? Surprise people. Well, Detroit's not going to surprise anybody because we're expecting some things from them. The Jets have Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to be a surprise. Um... Jacksonville's already arrived there in the playoffs. Believe it or not, I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers because of Mike Tomlin. I know Cleveland, Baltimore, and Cincinnati are all perceived as being better in the AFC North of the National Football League. I'm not sleeping on my Steelers. Sorry. Let's go to the phones. What's up?
2: Hey, doing, hey this is Chris Thompson from Long Island, New York. Okay. I have a question. Um, Who would you take in their front? No championships involved. Carmelo Anthony or Paul Pierce?
0: Thank you. I would take Carmelo Anthony. I would take Carmelo Anthony because I think that he was more aggressive offensively. Uh, Paul Pierce is the truth Paul Pierce is a champion That's something Melo never was Primarily because He messed up Because he signed A five year deal With the guaranteed dollars Because he didn't want to sign With a three year Then opt out So he could be a free agent In 2010 And free to join uh, LeBron James And Dwayne Wade That's how Christ Bosh Ended up there Instead of Melo I think that was a mistake That cost him a championship In his career Nevertheless Melo was aggressive Melo went after it Melo was trying to drop 30 on you every night Brother Cabal I would have to say Carmelo Anthony ahead of Paul Pierce. What's up? Next caller. This is Stephen A. This is Darius uh,
2: from Springfield, Illinois. I just wanted to see if, um, well, actually, who's better in their prime, Dwayne Wade or Kevin Durant?
0: Kevin Durant. Love D. Wade, Hall of Famer. Congratulations to him, major props, three-time champion. Um, but D-Wade's not 6'11 with a 7'6 wingspan who could shoot the ball like KD could. And so as great and phenomenal as, 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 as Dwayne Wade was, I think that's Kevin Durant, except taller. I'd have to go with Kevin Durant. What's up? Next caller.
2: Hey, Steven, this is Mary from Chicago. Hey. You're pushing for Damian Lillard to go to Miami. Why is that different from Durant going to the Warriors? Same thing to me. Have a good day.
0: Well, Mary, with all due respect, that would be because you evidently don't know basketball. Damian Lillard um, is struggling and doesn't want to be a part of a rebuilding team. Kevin Durant was in a game seven of a Western Conference Finals. His team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, was up 3-1. His team lost a 3-1 lead and lost to the Golden State Warriors in that series. And he joined them a month later. Those are two entirely different scenarios. Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers are not knocking on the door of a championship but couldn't close the deal on a 3-1 lead in the Western Conference Finals. If that was the case, Damian Lillard wouldn't even be thinking about leaving Portland. Wouldn't even be thinking about it. If they were competitive. But he knows they're not, and they're not going to be, and that's why he wants out. Kevin Durant was knocking on the door of a championship and left to go to a sure thing, which was the Splash Brothers of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson along with Draymond Green. You really need to brush up on your basketball, Mary, before you ask me that question again. Have a nice day. Next caller. What's up, Stephen? This is
2: Miles calling from North Carolina. Uh,
0: I'm a little pissed
2: at you because you don't talk about
0: Charlotte Hornets. And you went to a HBCU in North Carolina, sir. Um, I think the Charlotte Hornets are going to be a top 16 in the East this year. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, and, um, Lanella win went to MVP
2: this year as well.
0: Okay. Nice talking Um, you sound ignorant. You just do. So let me brush up on how. First of all, the Charlotte Hornets need to give me a reason to talk about them. I talked about them recently because Michael Jordan sold the team. He still holds a minority stake, but he holds the team. Um, The Charlotte Hornets were last in the conference finals, the conference semifinals, I'm sorry, in 2001, 2002. In the last 21 years, the Charlotte Hornets have been to the playoffs three times. Charlotte franchise, three times. And each time they were bounced out in the first round, what the hell are you talking about? What reason was there to talk about the Charlotte Hornets? You don't want me to talk about Bridges. I'm happy he's back. And I know a lot of details about what happened to him. And, you know, he has to own it. Okay. He made some mistakes there, no doubt about it. Uh, But there were some mistakes according to him that have never been reported. But having said all of that, he still found himself in a precarious situation. What else is there to talk about? LaMelo Ball went down. He's injured. You hope he's coming back healthy. You hope he's wants, he wants to stay. That's why you drafted Brandon Miller, which was the right pick to make, by the way. What do you want me to talk about? The Charlotte Hornets have not been impressive. It's just that we have such profound respect for Michael Jordan because of all the things that he's done for the game that we don't want to lament the obvious.
2: But they haven't been good. And you know it. Don't call up asking that dumbass question again, please. Thank you. Last caller. What's up? Hey, Stephen A. This is Evan from Seattle, Washington. And I'm just wondering, with uh, MLB potentially uh, expanding, what two cities would you like to see uh, get an expansion
0: team? What two cities would I like to see get an expansion team? Is this in in the NBA? Oh, this is baseball. Okay. Um, I love I loved the idea of Vegas getting a team. I think we're over that with gambling being involved in sport. We can't be worried about that anymore. And the Oakland A's certainly should leave. That city, I, I don't know what the hell is going on, but when you got possums crawling in the walls, damn that. They got to get the hell up out of there. Um, so I certainly would say Las Vegas. Um, I'd say Las Vegas and Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville and Tennessee is undercover. That's an undercover fly town. It really is. It really, really is. Um, I would say Nashville, Tennessee and Las Vegas. Those are the two cities. That's it for today's show. Thank you all for sticking with me. I had a lot to get into. And again, I'm sorry I had to go that route with DeSantis and Jesse Waters. My point is, why is this even a point of discussion? Why would you even bother bringing up the subject of 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 slavery and having that discussed in our schools where there's some kind of positive to peel from it? Why? Why would you even allow yourself to have that as a topic of discussion? I think it's atrocious. Um, and I take no joy in saying that because I like being independent and I don't like being transparent with my thinking in terms of who I support and who I don't because I'm literally up for grabs most times. Because there's some things on both sides of the aisle that I don't like. But it's, I mean, DeSantis has been so offensive in the last few weeks. I have found him more offensive than Trump. Trump is narcissistic and doesn't give a damn about anybody but himself. And appears to be a pathological liar or denier. DeSantis seems to have taken this to another level. Where he just doesn't mind who the hell he defends. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. I respect Jesse Waters, knowledge, his
2: accomplishments, et cetera. But you don't try to explain that.
0: You're not black. How about simply sitting there and looking at folks and going like this? I'm not a black person. I can only imagine how they feel on this subject. Let me not touch it because I'm not them. And my people didn't go through what their people endured. And I'm not going through what they've been going through. And just leave it alone. That's really what I'm saying. I hope y'all got that message. I'll be back on Wednesday. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, love y'all, appreciate y'all. Make sure to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show on YouTube. Click the bell to get notified of all our new content. Again, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll be back. God willing. Until then, peace of love. We'll talk. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.